Hi, my name is Joshua Torrey, and don't call this a podcast. Well, I've got to start somewhere with uh, trying this podcast thing, so I'm going to kick the ground off with a beer review. This is Oscar Blues Brewery Death by Coconut Irish Porter. Um, I'm not normally a porter guy, definitely not normally an Irish porter guy, but coconut Irish porter was just too good to pass up. So let's go ahead and pop this sucker open and see what we're dealing with here. All right. And nice pour into a glass here. Uh, maybe get half of it. Um, first thing you can see is it is very, very carbonated. And poured smooth, but the bubbles are evident all around it. It's one of the reasons why I don't like porters, is because of the heavy carbonation that is typically associated with um, a porter. The, the carbonation helps the beer expand in your mouth and provide a, a greater complexity of flavor or flavor experience, although it doesn't really add to the flavor per se. Um, the beer is pretty thick. Can't see through it. Um, it smells delicious. The coconut is not um, very prevalent. You can catch it in the, the sweetness of the coconut hiding behind some of the beer. I think I'm gonna have to try it now. I think I've uh, sniffed enough. Wow, that is interesting. So, um, the basic chocolatey, coffee roasted kind of elements of a porter that you get um, from those malts definitely there. Um, this is a supposed to be, I think, what does the can say? Coconut chocolate choco nut. So there's definitely intentionally this kind of a milk chocolate flavor that the coconut adds to and dynamically brings out. Um, this is, this is interesting. This is good. This is very good. I'm going to set this down and and uh, continue to sip on it. I think this is going to get a solid maybe three and a, three and a half, 3.75. The coconut is just very strange. Um, even though it tastes good, the, the idea of a coconut beer is, is rather awkward. So uh, I don't imagine that I would enjoy this often, but for one off or two offer, um, definitely worth trying. From the laughter and the cheer, while scenes from the past rise before me, just watching the bubbles in my beer, and I'm seeing the road that I travel, a road paved with heartaches and tears. Seeing the past that I've wasted 
while watching the bubbles in my beer. A vision of someone who loved me brings a long silent tear to my eye as I think of a heart that I've broken and of the golden chances that have passed me by. I'd like to move on now to a little bit of theology. Um, I recently read Rosario Butterfield's Openness Unhindered and Jordan Cooper's The Great Divide. Um, Rosario Butterfield's book was simply phenomenal. Uh, Not completely in line with some of the other writers that I've read, conservative evangelical writers with respect to union with Christ and sexual identity, sexual orientation, and uh, the impact of these thoughts on same-sex attraction. But she was very stirring and very clear in the way she wrote. And I enjoyed the book uh, a lot, if only to increase the amount of range I, I have an experience hearing people talk about the issue. And she expressed some things in different ways and used some different vocabulary. And it was a great learning experience. Um, Cooper's book was... Not quite as good, um, partially because it was a little drier, a little more theologically minded. A lot of things I was familiar with. Um, I was reviewing this more for the Lutheran side, not the Reformed side. And so um, half of the book was refresher and half of the book was refreshing. Um, And I I wrote my review. I gave it a good review. It is a good book. It's a, a very useful book if you're a young reformed or lutheran student i think it's worth buying and reading and then engaging with on um, some other dynamic levels either with the authors that are represented or with individuals from the differing communities or with other individuals who have read the book Um, one of the things that has happened recently in response to the book is that some of the reformed individuals have been a little off-put by certain quotations, certain sources, and things of that nature. Um, And I thought that was very interesting because Cooper, in his introduction, lays out the groundwork for, for what this book truly is. And I think, unfortunately, the book is poorly subtitled. I'm not sure if Jordan himself got to choose the subtitle or if his editors did, but it's not really a Lutheran evaluation of Reformed theology. It's really an articulation of Lutheran theology in contrast to Reformed theology. I think Cooper uses the opportunity or uses Reformed theology as a springboard to depict and clarify and quantify um, certain Lutheran nuances and, and contrasting approaches to soteriology and and worship and things of that nature. And so, um, quoting his introduction, he says, this work is an attempt to bring dialogue with the other side. And this dialogue is something that I think Cooper does a a great job of. He tries to do some clarifications. Um, He tries to reduce the confusion And he says very explicitly, I cite popular resources along with scholarly resources due to their prominence in contemporary Calvinism. 
My goal is to make this work accessible to both the learned lay reader as well as the scholar. So I urge scholars not to be put off by the utilization of popular writers. Um, this is a pretty typical approach. I think he, he went with popular authors who people would recognize and, and would um, identify with as they were reading it. And it also served to give uh, clear articulations of truths. Um, sometimes when you read more scholarly works, there there's long sentences, and those long sentences come in long paragraphs that are very hard to summarize. So I don't fault Cooper for communicating the way he did with the quotations that he did. And I hope that reformed individuals who are reading this, who perhaps feel slighted or not completely um, presented, will understand that that just couldn't happen. Cooper ends his introduction, uh, introduction saying, though no short treatment of the subject can capture all of the nuances of either the reformed or Lutheran traditions, this work will hopefully begin to explain and clarify many of the issues which continue to divide the two branches of the magisterial re reformation. Um, it's going to be obvious that we're going to disagree on exegetical issues, and we're gonna even going to disagree with each other's representation of the other perspective. But we can do it in a way that provides grace not only to each other's positions, but to our depictions of each other's positions. This is especially true concerning the Lord's Supper, where individuals on both sides believe to have the proper creedal Christology and view the other side as having a, a tendency towards um, a false belief concerning the, the natures of Christ, the divine and human natures of Christ. And that's okay. It's okay to think each other is wrong. It's okay to communicate to each other that we think that they're wrong. And it's okay for someone to depict us in a way that is not completely accurate and to respond and say, here, let me help you communicate a little bit better instead of getting defensive about it or saying you were wrong, you need to do better. We need to work together in dialogue to help each other communicate better. And I think that the great divide does that. So I, I strongly recommend you pick that up either for yourself or for the reformed or Lutheran person in your family who, who likes to read their theology books before they go to bed. The last thing I'd like to end with is a call for guest posts on the Tory Gazette with reference to church community and how church community looks particularly to singles, celibate individuals, widowed individuals, um, couples that are barren, how does the church community minister to these individuals who aren't directly connected to a familial unit? Um, Christianity is about being reconciled to God and being united to Jesus Christ. And in those two events, we are also reconciled to one another and united to the body of Christ. And so Christian community should surpass every attempt by the secular world to create community. And I'm interested in seeing what other people can bring to the table with respect to 
how to foster this Christian community and maybe some of the things that we're not doing correctly in the Christian community. Um, who we are excluding, how we exclude them. There's a lot of ways in which I have been told that I don't help the Christian community with, with certain things I do and certain behaviors and certain statements I make. And so I'm interested in continuing to listen and learn from individuals who who have something to say. So if you're one of those individuals, hit me up. You can either reach us at Twitter, um, at Tori Gazette, or you can shoot us an email, Gazette at gmail.com, and uh, we'll get in touch with you and we'll, we'll help you put something together for, for our site. Say that no